Welcome back to Disney Dependent. I'm Sarah Chilcott. And I'm Jax Teller. What's that in reference to? Sons of Anarchy. And why am I doing Because you're a biker now. I'm a biker now. James got a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) He's driving his office chair around the room right now. Fuck yeah, I am. (laughs) I'm a biker now. I got a Harley. Sarah watched me pull up. I did, and I took a picture. (laughs) He's adorable. (laughs) And our family member that you sent it to said, he's adorable. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm just learning. I'm cruising, and I'm in love, though. And I finally get it. I've had so many friends tell me to get a bike for years and years and years. And I finally did. And I got my motorcycle endorsement last summer and have not been... You got it, sir. Let's ride, baby. Panic. Well, you, you got this, I promise. But I know you. As we were talking about earlier, I did the whole Team Oregon motorcycle yeah. class for two days. I rode Eight hours that total. stupid Not thing. Even. I could. I was bad. I was bad. You I didn't barely have a bike passed. I dumped the bike twice. I scratched up my knee really bad. Yeah. I was kind of scared the whole time. I yeah. never really understood the shifting. I. Because you didn't get a chance to. I don't know how I passed. Honestly, I actually don't do either. not know how I passed. Yeah. Um, I got lucky with some of the things, like the weaving. Yeah. Yeah. How did you do that one? I did great. I did fantastic with the weaving. Um, the stopping, not so much. Nope. The Eyes qu- up. The quick stops. Yeah. Nope. Uh, I was great at turning. Yeah. I had no problem with that. I also just the key faked turning it a lot. is just looking where you're going. They were like. Go in first, and then when you get to this cone, you know, uh, shift to second, and then shift to third at this next one, yeah. and then shift down and go around. The- I yeah. just stayed in first. Did you? I now? just because they don't know. Blogged around the corners. There was a couple people that did that in my class. I'm like, I realized that I'm not going that fast. I don't need to be in third no. at any point. You probably don't even need to be in second. I don't think I ever made it to third. <laughs> honestly, I don't think I got to third in class at all. No. No. They wanted us to at some point, but really? it didn't make any sense. Hmm. So, yeah, I barely passed. They pulled me aside and were like, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll give it to you. You technically passed. But yeah. you're going to die if you try to do this now. You need practice. You need practice. Yeah. And well, yeah, so I was pretty panicked. I did not go get myself a motorcycle the very next day. But I did the opposite. Yeah. I ramped this all up. Mm-hmm. I thought my class was going to be in July. It was scheduled for July. It was the earliest I could find. Mm-hmm. I emailed Team Oregon. For those listening, Team Oregon is the, the entity that offers these required motorcycle safety classes before you take the online DMV thing. Right. Or the computer test the DMV. Anyway. Yeah, it was scheduled for July. I'm pissed. I'm like, oh, I want to do this now. Yeah. So I emailed them asking if I can be on a waiting list. They say, no, there is no waiting list. But just keep checking. And so I checked... Right, Ash? All day, every day. Uh-huh. And a rotating, like, you know, Oregon City, Clackamas, Portland, PCC, mm-hmm. Beaverton, all around the, the region. And I got one. And I got it for, like, two days from when I had scheduled it. But you had to do all your online I had to do all of the online stuff. prep work yeah. in, like, 24 hours or something. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and I went in. It was 48 degrees and raining yeah. the whole weekend. Not just raining, like, pouring. Oh, my. I had no gear, nothing. I'd never been on a motorcycle in my life. Nope. A lot of bikes. Yeah. Tons of BMX, a lot of skateboard. I'm also a drummer. 
Right. I also have driven more manual cars than I haven't. Yeah. Most of my cars have been manual. So I'm lucky there. And it's so much of it is just like muscle memory, but also there's a coordination aspect to it. Oh, hell yeah, there is. I don't seem to have. So. But everyone can get it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I did that. I passed it. And then same. Then similar problem. I thought my DMV thing was going to be a long time out. I called Ashley panicked late to a jujitsu class. And she's like, dude, relax. There's a standby thing. You can just walk just to the show DMV. Up. Just show up and just <laughs> bring your laptop and work while you're waiting. Yeah. So I did. Guess how long I waited? 15 minutes. Oh, my gosh. It was a little too quick. I wasn't oh, really ready no. for my test. <laughs> I was going to study some more. I passed it with 90-something percent. No problem. Excellent. And then, guess what? The next day, I went and bought a very, very expensive Harley. <laughs> <laughs> and go. all the gear. <laughs> and I told myself and, and my father-in-law who came and bought the Harley with me. He was like my, my pit bull because um, he's experienced with this stuff. I told him, and he and I agreed, okay, you're probably not quite ready to, like, ride it home from Tiger mm-hmm. through traffic. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, we'll have them deliver it, because they have free delivery. Oh, that's nice. No problem. So, that was the plan. R- right up until the bike is bought. I sign all the papers. That was the plan. But they say, the delivery driver is done for the day, oh. so you won't get it till at least tomorrow. Oh, and I'm like, no. no, 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 no. So, he looks at me. He's like, you think you can do it? Like, I'll just take Hall all the way home, yep. which is a slower road around here mm-hmm. for those listening. And uh, I did it. <laughs> and I was I was telling you earlier, as soon as I pulled off the lot, Don was following me in, in his Suburban. And yeah, I, I almost pulled off and said, I'm not ready. Yeah. I almost bailed. But I just kept going. I just kept, it was like I was dreaming. Uh-huh. It's so exposing feeling. Oh, yeah. You don't have totally. nothing around you. Nope. And all of a sudden, cars feel like like missiles. Yeah, they feel like the enemy. Yeah, everyone's trying to actively kill you. Yep. <laughs> so I did it, and I made it home. By the time I was, you know, pulling up to my house, I was smiling ear to ear. I had already felt way more comfortable. So. And then awesome. I rode for like nearly two hours after that. Yeah. All around my neighborhood, I went in and out of traffic a little bit through my neighborhood, and then today, as I pulled up and saw you, I rode for another hour or so. Yeah, anyway, getting a lot better. I'm so happy for you. It's so fun. Oh, man. It's so great. Yeah, it's been a long time that I've been this interested in something that doesn't have to do with work Uh (laughs) or Disney. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's been been really fun. So there you go. I'm a biker now. I love it. Don't mess with me. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, since I took up all the intro space, I hear something off the distance. Oh. This just in. It's 65 and rainy at not Disneyland. 85 and partly cloudy at Disneyland. All right. It's actually beautiful right now. Right now. Like, it's but not all day raining. It was pouring. All day it was raining. Pouring right now rain. it's sunny, blue skies, big puffy white clouds, but that yeah. won't last. Sarah said that she knew as soon as it stopped raining that I was going to hit my bike, and I did. Yep. <laughs> the second it stopped raining. Yeah. Vroom, vroom. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while. Yeah. We're going to cover. What I lovingly refer to as the Euro Disney oopsie poopsie. <laughs> Which I love so much. Yeah, very you. So what do you, what do both of you know about the Euro Disney kerfuffle or snafu? Like what does that mean to us? Yeah, when when you hear like 
Euro Disney and someone gives you a look? I think, what happened to that? The first thing I think of is Michael Eisner, personally. Yes. Um, I, I know that it was way over budget, way over time. And also they did a terrible job, from what I understand, communicating with Europe and France. And so people protested. People weren't pretty very happy. Is that right? Am I yeah. close to that? Okay. Yeah. And all I can think about is um, the European vacation movie <laughs> yes. with uh, Chevy yeah. Chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's such hey, a big bad, apple. bad movie. It's awful. It's so There's bad. a couple good parts. You said Big Apple. It's Big Ben. Yeah, I did. Whatever. I know I did. Yeah. You know why I did that? Because Josh Timmon used to do that on tour. Oh. He'd say, hey, look, kids, Big Apple. And then we would all correct him. Anyway, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, I'm going to launch into this. Okay. So, some historical context. This is coming off of the heels, the, the Euro Disney plan is coming off of the heels of a few big openings for Disney. Okay. So, Walt Disney World was and remains one of Disney's biggest successes ever since its opening in 1971. It is a self-contained vacation destination that dominates the local landscape and economy and is filled with room for expansion. But alas, there was an enormous market just waiting overseas. Then Tokyo Disney, uh, Tokyo Disneyland's wild success since its 1983 opening cornered the entire Asian market for now. They expanded more. It's prior to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, Europe was the next natural choice. But where in Europe would this go? Sweden. Nope. Yes. Nope. Barely Europe. You know what I mean? I guess it's technically Europe. Sweden? It's absolutely Europe. Is it, though? <laughs> I just found out that I'm more Swedish than I am German. What? I know. Sarah, I was, we're very... Uh, is it Scandinavian? What, what were we? We looked it up the other day. Was my side of the family? Was it Swedish? Swedish, Danish. I mean, my side of the family. Oh, I don't know. I think I just know. generally Scandinavian is what it was. Just said. a bunch of white European. <laughs> Very. Mm-hmm. Half Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a surprise. Yeah, twenty-five. It was f- nearly forty-nine uh, percent Irish or something like that, and twenty-five percent Scottish for our family. Yeah, so white. Inbred. <laughs> Very. <laughs> Probably. Very. <laughs> Okay, so uh, when word first got out that Disney wanted to build another international theme park, officials from more than 200 locations all over the world descended on Disney with pleas and cash in, uh, inducements. Is that a word? What? Like labor? I don't know. I'm... Inducements. We're going to say they came at them begging and throwing money like they're... A dancer of the of the night. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, they wanted Disney to work magic in their hometowns, so Italy was a good option due to the popularity of the Topolino comics, but it lacked a stretch of land that would be big enough to fit Disney's needs. The British Isles had a similar issue. Other countries had inappropriate weather harsh terrain, or simply weren't big enough of tourist hubs. Inappropriate, inappropriate weather. weather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's here. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I feel that. It's Incompatible with Disney <laughs> magic. Inappropriate. 
oddly enough, I mean, Paris has a very similar very similar climate. Yeah, Um, yeah. So this left Disney with two choices: the relatively temperate Spain, or the wide expanses of the French countryside. Ultimately, Paris was chosen because of demographics and subsidies. About 17 million Americans lived less than two hours' drive from Paris at that time. Another 310 million can fly there in the same time or less. Also, the French government was so eager to attract Disney that it offered the company more than a billion dollars in various incentives. Wow. All in the expectation that the project would create 30,000 French jobs. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, so we're skipping ahead. In the years following the park's opening, it would become apparent that this may not have been the wisest choice. From its opening day in 1992, the park, once known as Zero Disneyland, was plagued by cultural clashes, financial woes, marketing snafus, and even a terrorist attack. A horrible perfect storm that almost led to this park's demise and ultimately changed the course of Disney history. A terrorist attack? Yeah. Huh. Which is funny because I, I don't have anything on that. So I'm just going to let you wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here at the Disney Dependent Podcast, we make you wonder about terrorism. Nothing but facts. Yeah. It's on In you to depth find reporting. Out. Yep. I could also Google it, but I'm not going to. But no. Just to be clear. So this prospect of having Disney move into Paris was referred to by many as a cultural Chernobyl. Ooh. That's a little much. Yeah. Dang. Hey, that's a little strong <laughs> for a stupid theme park. That gives you an idea of how upset some people were. Apparently. That's very French. You know what I mean? No. No nope. French. A little uh, snobby, you know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> From the beginning, cultural gaffes by Disney set the tone for the project. By late 1986, Disney was deep in negotiations with the French government, but the Parisian intellectuals attacked the planning, um, as I said, as a cultural Chernobyl. The Minister of Culture, that's a thing. Wow. Okay. It's like Harry Potter. Totally. <laughs> the Minister of Magic. Yeah. Um, he, uh, the minister announced that he would boycott the opening, proclaiming it to be an unwelcome symbol of American cliches and a consumer society. From the beginning, Disney knew that building a theme park in Europe would be a tall order, as many elements Americans find exotic, such as castles, Mm -hmm. are more common tourist attractions naturally occurring in France. Totally. That's (laughs) funny. They could have done, like, strip malls instead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Disney went out of its way to try to accommodate European culture. It's even in the name, Euro Disneyland. Problem is... There's no such thing as European culture. There's Italian culture, Spanish culture, British culture, Irish culture, hundreds of different cultures that aren't even consistent within the same country, let alone across an entire continent. And so Disney was a very American company (laughs) trying to tailor a theme park to a collection of cultures that they didn't fully understand. Right. (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of Epcot. (laughs) (laughs) And we love it. Hey, it's just like Germany. (laughs) Here's a Stein. It's even worse because it's not just Europe. (laughs) No, it's the whole world. The whole world. Bastardized. You don't need to travel ever again. (laughs) Just come to Disney. Yeah. 
Okay, so unperturbed, <laughs> Disney pushed ahead with the opening of the $5 billion park. Wow. On April 12th, 1992, Euro Disneyland opened to mediocre fanfare. Was it just... Because they, don't they have like a Hollywood Studios equivalent? They did not at the time. So Okay, so it was just the Disneyland Magic uh, Kingdom. Yeah, just the type. Magic Kingdom, basically. And you said 1985? Uh, 92. 92. Yeah. Where did I get 85? <laughs> not sure, really. But I did say $5 billion park. I don't know. There's a five. Yeah. There's a five. <laughs> Try. So there were the customary fireworks shows and ribbon cutting ceremony. Parades, shows, and all of the typical spectacle. However, for a park built to accommodate 60,000 guests, only about 25,000 showed up. Ouch. Woof. Wow. Um, This is on day one? Yes. Shortly after Euro Disneyland opened, French farmers drove their tractors to the entrance and blocked it. And I have a very fun article, because this is my favorite thing about the entire story is these farmers tractor in their way to block Disneyland. (laughs) So this is from the Los Angeles times and this is from June 27, 1992. Okay. Paris angered by American agricultural trade policies, tractor driving French farmers blockaded the entrance to the new Euro Disneyland outside Paris on Friday, preventing several hundred families and busloads of school children from entering the park. (laughs) Euro Disneyland is the symbol of an American culture that has invaded our country, said Daniel Dayward, one of the leaders of the protesting farmers. Now the Americans want to do the same thing to our agriculture. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. The farmers oppose new European community rules established under pressure from the United States that limit the amount of subsidies farmers can receive uh, for certain crops. Small farm holders represented by the Rural Coordination Organization that staged Friday's tractor blockade contend that the new rules will drive one million peasants from their farmland. (laughs) Euro Disney officials tried to stay out of the fray. This has nothing to do with us, said Disney spokesman Nicolas de Chonin. It is a matter between the farmers and the French government. The Disney officials declined to comment on how many visitors were kept out of the park. However, according to the news agency, at least 70 school buses containing 2,000 children were prevented from reaching the site in Marne-la-Vallée, 20 miles east of Paris. 70 school buses? (laughs) Can you imagine being the drivers? She's like, sorry, kids. I know you're crying, but there's nothing I can do. There's, there's a, a tractor. tractor in the way. There's a blockade of tractors <laughs> screaming peasant farmers. <laughs> so, using phalanxes of tractors, the farmers successfully blocked vehicles from entering the park's 11,000 place parking lot. Visitors who arrived at the park by train were permitted to go inside. Lucky them. Mm. Police from the nearby prefecture of Melun, which has responsibility for the territory, did nothing to stop the protesters. Wait, how far outside Paris is it? 20 miles. 20 miles. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, yeah. that's farther than I would have thought. I think it's like going to Versailles, which mm. we did easily from Paris. How far is Portland from where we live? 10 miles? Yeah, so it's like twice that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, The protest, which concluded Friday afternoon when the farmers peacefully drove their tractors away from the gates of the Magic Kingdom, 
was the latest setback for the newest of four Disney theme parks. Since it opened April 12, the park has been plagued by particularly bad weather and lower than expected attendance. Um, It goes on more about stuff that I'm going to hold off on because we'll cover that in the the main segment. Um, And at the time, it's still called Euro Disney. Euro Disneyland. Euro Disneyland. Yes. And it's not now. Um, I do have to do... No, it's not. It's now Disneyland Paris. Yeah, right. Um, The last part of the article says... Not all the publicity is necessarily good for the protesters. One of the French networks featured an interview with a tearful child whose bus was blocked from entering the park. <laughs> the tractors are mean, she said. <laughs> Aww. And she said it in French. Yeah. Which is yeah. cute. I don't know the word for tractor, otherwise I would attempt that. No. <clears throat> yes, no. thanks, James. <laughs> tractor. Tractor. Le tractor. <laughs> So this globally televised act of protest was aimed not at Disney, actually, but at the U.S. government, which had been demanding that French agricultural subsidies be cut. Still, it was very bad press for Disney. Mm-hmm. Then there were the operational errors. So Disney's policy of serving no alcohol in the park, which has since been reversed, caused astonishment in a country where a glass of wine for lunch is assumed. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Additionally, Disney assumed that Mondays would be a light day for visitors and Friday a heavy one, and they allocated their staff accordingly, but the reality was the reverse. Another unpleasant surprise was the hotel breakfast debacle. Uh, We were told that Europeans, quote, don't take breakfast, so we downsized the restaurants, recalled one Disney executive. And guess what? Everybody showed up for breakfast. We were trying to serve 2,500 breakfasts in a 350-seat restaurant at some of the hotels. The lines were horrendous. Moreover, they didn't want the typical French breakfast of croissants and coffee, which was our assumption. They wanted bacon and eggs. Wow. I guess they were going for that American experience. Right? That's interesting. Lunch turned out to be another problem. Everyone wanted lunch at 1230. The crowds were huge. Our smiling cast members had to calm down surly patrons and engage in some, quote, behavior modification (laughs) to teach them that they could eat lunch at 11 a.m. or 2 (laughs) p.m. God damn it. There were major staffing problems, too. Disney tried to use the same teamwork model with its staff that had worked so well in America and Japan, but it ran into trouble in France. While Disney tried to appeal to French labor unions by hiring full-time staff as opposed to part-time or seasonal staff used in domestic parks, traditional corporate measures like the, quote, Disney look, were viewed as an attack on employee freedom, leading to mass resignations. Interesting. They don't put up with that shit there. No. Wow. In the first nine weeks of Euro Disneyland's operation, roughly 1,000 employees, which is 10% of the total, left. Oh, my God. Wow. Yep. One former employee was a 22-year-old medical student from a nearby town who signed up for a weekend job. After two days of, quote, brainwashing, as he called Disney's training, he left following a dispute with his supervisor over the timing of his lunch hour. I'm getting pissed. I'm getting pissed. The American in me is getting pissed. Brainwashing. He's communist. God damn it. Oh. I can so see it from that guy's point of view. <laughs> no, I, I, I t- I'm kidding because, th- look, th- at the end of the day, that's Disney's 
damn fault. Yeah. Do your research. Right. You're opening a park in another country and, and other culture. Yeah. I think they do it better now. You know, the Bob Iger book that I'm so in love with, he talks about Shanghai Disney in great detail and what it took to do it. Mm-hmm. They're opening a park in China. <laughs> like, you got to... You got to recognize You got to know that. who's coming and totally. what they're going to want Absolutely. and what they don't want. And what they don't want. Yeah. That's right. That's crazy. Yikes. One of the biggest problems, however, was that Europeans didn't stay at the park as long as Disney expected. While Disney succeeded in getting close to 9 million visitors a year through the park gates, which was in line with its initial projections, most visitors only stayed a day or two. Few stayed the four to five days that Disney had anticipated. Does it say, I mean, I would assume it's mostly Europeans. Yes. Probably. It sounds like a stupid question. I'm just wondering, are people traveling together? Hold tight. Okay. Um, Because they do now, you know? Yeah. Uh, It seems that most Europeans regard theme parks as a place for a day excursion. Right. Mm -hmm. Culturally, a theme park is just not seen as a destination for an extended vacation, which was a big shock for Disney. How? No, it, that's exactly. It's their <laughs> right? fault. Theme parks have, were really popular in like the Netherlands for for years, and they're basically little day fair. Yeah, they'd open in the afternoon, and mm-hmm. then they shut them down. Yeah, mm-hmm. super European. Like everything yeah. is just for a couple of hours, and then they take off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we they don't do the they don't supersize everything. Do. Yeah. yeah, we're doing fourteen hours sun <laughs> right. up to sundown. The company had invested billions in building luxury hotels next to the park. Hotels that the day trippers did not need. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those luxury hotels sat half empty most of the time. Hmm. Except for their restaurants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone who was there was waiting for their bacon and eggs. <laughs> yeah. Moreover, the park's proximity to Paris meant that many guests chose to stay in the capital with the park serving as a mere diversion rather than a main attraction. Mm. Wow. To make matters worse, the French themselves just didn't show up in the expected numbers. In 1994, only 40% of the park's visitors were French. One puzzled executive noted that many visitors were Americans living in Europe or, stranger still, Japanese on a European vacation. Wow. But that makes more sense because they... Not to generalize, but Japanese tend to love American culture more. Sure. Than right. the average French person, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. These Especially are things, back then. These are things that Disney probably should have known back in 1992. Yeah. This is a little side tangent. I'm sure we'll cover Shanghai at some point, but I think I'm right on this, that there isn't a Main Street USA in Shanghai. I don't know anything Someone about that. Someone look that up and let me know if I'm totally full of shit, but I think that's the case because they learned their lessons. Oh. And they just did their research, and it was just a different... They wanted it to be a Chinese park. Huh. Not an American experience in China. Cool. But see that, but it works different in different locations. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes Disney will push the... Like this... Like people going for breakfast and wanting bacon and eggs is a clear message that they want the American experience. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it on a map to see. <laughs> And in Tokyo, I think they do have a Main Street USA because it works there. Right. It's just all about doing your market research, you know. So we paused and looked it up. Shanghai Disney, it does have an equivalent to Main Street USA. but it's not called Main Street USA. It's called Mickey Avenue. 
and from what Sarah and I can tell, it looks very similar. Yes. In most ways. Very, Even has a tunnel. Yeah. The whole same thing. kind of theming. Yeah. Like the signs look similar and, and all of that. And it ends at a hub. Yeah. And then there's a castle. And it's, it's very the, similar. It's in the same kind of layout. Maybe. But, maybe. I mean, the name itself, Main Street. I think that's what it is. It's not Main Street USA. Right. They were ta- yeah, that's the difference. It's like Mickey Avenue. So it's for everyone. It's not. Main Street Shanghai A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think it's, I'm again, again, here's another one. I'm pretty confident that it's the only Disney park in the world that's not, that doesn't have a quote Main Street USA. I think I'm right on that. It's probably true. And we're not going to look it up. It's we're the most recent park. On that. So that makes sense. Yeah. It's yeah. the most, right. Okay. 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 Cool. Okay. So we know things now. Before we move on, let's just do a quick round ta- round, round the room. If If Disney could open another park anywhere in the world, and you can say another one in America. Where where would you want it to be? I would say like Texas. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Austin, Texas area. Right in the middle. Yep. Between Anaheim and Florida. And I think it should be close to Austin in the more liberal part of Texas, to yes. be honest with you. And mm-hmm. not not because I think that matters so much. I just think it would do better. Well, it would attract people from both exactly. demographics. Yep. You have and, it in, you know, East Texas. That's just no one's out there right right i mean yes <laughs> there's sure a lot of land a lot of land but yeah. no but having austin or i mean even like the fort worth dallas area i was thinking south america Interesting. yeah that would be huh. amazing too i bet that would there's probably do well huge mm-hmm. market down there right mm-hmm. i just where? won't have access to it as brazil, easily so. probably brazil. maybe yeah probably brazil because i know that populated I, I know that the brazilian tourist groups um really hit Walt Disney World pretty hard regularly. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, going through like the cast member stories, it's always like nobody. Oh. I can't believe nobody's mentioned the Brazil groups yet. <laughs> so <laughs> interesting. I think there's okay. a there's some fandom there. That so there's sense. a market in Brazil. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Come on, Disney, if you're listening. <laughs> of course, yeah. Disney's listening. What are you talking? I, about? I have one recommendation. North Korea. Anyone? Definitely. Oh, for sure. Make it an adventure. But can you actually imagine, though, like a North Korean themed Disneyland Aww. where everyone's just wearing like these like gray, <laughs> like robe type <laughs> outfits? It would be very orderly. It'd yeah. be soup, a little too orderly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you know how they have like Epcot, the history of the world, the history of America. <laughs> yeah. And be the, yeah, it's, a, be the it's history. a ride history of North Korea. And it would tell you nothing. It would tell you nothing. <laughs> Just a bunch of pure lies. <laughs> yeah. He's a god king. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ugh. I mean, I suppose they could probably do a very similar one in Russia. Yeah. yeah. Very, very similar. Yeah. Now I'm just imagining like Oof. the North Korean, what's his name? Kim, Kim Jong Un. 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 I think it's Un. Um, now I'm just imagining him as like Figment. <laughs> <laughs> just popping in and being like, Yeah, telling hey. me little tidbits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit well okay so after all that as a result by the end of 1994 euro disneyland had a cumulative loss of two billion dollars oh that's Shoot. it just the two billion cool two b's cool two b's <laughs> the final nail in the coffin was an economic recession that hit shortly after the park's opening leading many european tourists to skip out on the expensive disney vacation mm-hmm so, by 1994, Euro Disneyland had over $3 billion of debt and was on the verge of closure, so Disney changed its strategy. 
First, the company changed the name to Disneyland Paris in an attempt to strengthen the park's identity. Second, food and fashion offerings changed. To quote one manager, they say, We opened with restaurants providing a more formal French style of food service, but we found that customers wanted self-service like in the U.S. parks. Mm -hmm. I think they mean more like quick service, Mm self-service. Similarly, products in the boutiques were initially toned down for the French market. But since then, the range has changed changed to give it a more definite Disney image. Huh. I mean, what does toned down mean? I mean, think about that teal-colored, puffy, Donald Duck, puffy sweater I got. Yeah. Not that. (laughs) Not that. Not that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Additionally, prices for day tickets and hotel rooms were cut by one-third. In a last-ditch financial effort to save the park, Disney made deals with investors and banks to defer payment, uh, including a deal with a Saudi investor, Prince Al-Walid, who Prince Alawid, <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> it was going through my head too. <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Oh, so before you move on, I would, so the motorcycle helmet I got has like Bluetooth speakers and stuff built in. And <laughs> it was just playing my liked songs off Spotify. <laughs> Dude, it went from like. Hardcore bands to, you know, normal music that I would listen to, to like Aladdin and Little Mermaid. I'm just zipping around in Harley. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, every time Josh starts his truck up, it plays music from Lauren's iPod. Yep. From when she was like 10. (laughs) So it's like Miley Cyrus, but not Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Yes. And a lot of ta- Taylor Swift. Right. And so if you're not in, the, in that right mood, you're like, God damn it. Well, and it's Ugh. the same songs. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. It's constant anger. Of course. It's like, I don't know how to not pair with Either it. Either do it's, I. What the hell? It just, he has a Tacoma or a Tundra, right? Yeah. But yes. it's because it's his Apple. It's under his Apple account. Right. It's just stuff that's downloaded. <laughs> just automatically <laughs> my, goes to my it. My does the same thing. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. Well, Saudi investor Prince Al-Walid injected 263 million euros into the company in 1993. Can you read the rest in song form, please? No. No. And they opened their own version of Space Mountain. (laughs) So they opened their own version of Space Mountain to attract guests. What's the difference? Is it like a little French beret instead of the mountain? I'm going to go right past that. The radical rebranding efforts... Combined with the passing of the recession, allowed the park to recover and eventually flourish. The result was an attendance of 11.7 million people. I almost said dollars. Mm -hmm. More dollars than that. Yeah. In 1996, up from a low of 8.8 million in 1994. Okay, Okay. so we're getting better. But people wanted Space Mountain. They did. That's what I hear. And they always bacon and eggs. (laughs) Hey, man. So. That's that's the bulk of what actually went wrong. From there, it was like a slow. They were they're figuring it out. Yeah. They almost caved in and they recovered and they said, "Okay, we yeah. need to up our game here." Well, from what I understand, there is still a lasting effect in France and Western Europe in general that Disney forced their way in. Yeah. Mm. And they didn't do it the right way. And yeah. there, there are still people to this day. They're like, man. <laughs> 
the scar is still there. Yeah. And I mean, there are like a lot of labor disputes and stuff. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that's been happening in the 2000s. Like as far as oh, Disneyland bet. Paris is concerned. Well, I mean, of course there is. Because we, we hear about it here at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. That's a constant thing. Cast members almost going on strike. Mm-hmm. COVID precautions. All the things that have happened the past couple of years, I'm sure, happened there as well. But in a Frenchy kind of way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. Hey, this is where you guys could know. No. I, I don't no. know. <laughs> Still don't know what this means. No. Uh, my sources were allears.net, NBA Knowledge Base, The First Drop, uh, Defunct Land, and The Independent. Nice. Cool. I love Defunct Land. Mm-hmm. That's a good channel. Is that, where, is that what you mean, the channel? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Urker. <laughs> well, that was uh, fun. You know, these Disney parks around the world are, it's something that, like, we all want to do, the three of us here. And we'll get to it eventually mm-hmm. out of uh shanghai tokyo and paris those are the only three right mm-hmm. which hong kong. one do you want to go oh, to the most hong kong too is uh, it hong kong instead of shanghai there's an additional one yeah oh i don't think i knew that i, I want to do shanghai really that's yeah. so not what i thought you'd say wait no no i want to do tokyo okay i yeah. thought that's what i'm you sorry said i was past. trying to remember which one had the cool pirates thing i think oh, they yeah. both do um, but who? I want to do Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big time. Uh, I'd say Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo. Yeah. Because then you're in Japan. I also do want to do Disneyland Paris. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I want to see that castle. Mark yeah. Bricky says that he's got like, like, he went there a couple years back and it was just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a couple friends that went and. Yeah. They went like in February and it snowed Ooh. the entire time they were there. Oh, magic. Is that a good and they thing? were, yes, because there was hardly anyone there. Uh huh. And they were selling like um, those little knitted headbands, <laughs> like, you know, to keep your ears warm, the uh-huh. ear warmer things yeah. that had like little mini bows on. I mean, Aww. come on. How do you, you just walk around in snow? Yeah. You just make it happen. It's the same as. The rides are going, everything's still going? Yeah, everything apparently was still open. Wild. Yeah, but it was snowy, so everything was just gorgeous. Now, damn near every picture or video I've seen of Disneyland Paris is overcast or mm-hmm. raining. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's similar weather to here. Very, very similar. I think we're like really close to the same latitude. latitude. Okay. Yeah. So, there you go. So, build a park in Portland. No, where? Don't, where hey, would they even do that? Here's a hot take. Don't do anything in Portland. Not anymore. Don't do anything here. Yeah. Sorry. You can visit. It's a beautiful city. It used to be. It used to be. It isn't anymore. <laughs> can't even really say that anymore. Nope. Half of it is a beautiful city. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. It's beautiful as you fly over it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oregon yeah. is so great. Absolutely. In places. In places. Yeah, um, Portland's kind of a dump now. It it's sucks. not on fire, and then there's and it's not a dump. Oregon's great. Yeah, there you go. And if it's not in like red state, good old boy country. There's a lot, a lot of that of here. It. Yeah, most of it. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the international parks, James and I, mostly me, just established a very um, elaborate five-year travel plan. <sighs> Ooh, yeah. Because we keep talking about these, like, you know, we got to go to Australia eventually. And we yeah. got to do 
Tokyo Disney and whatever. Mm-hmm. We just started putting it on the calendar. Well, now it's on a calendar, which, one I, of which I will make it happen. Involves this one over here. Yeah, that one. Is that the Tokyo? Walt Disney World oh. and Tokyo. Yeah, I want to go back to Walt Disney World. Well, yeah. when when did we want to do that one? I think it was January. Like January. January of next year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, With so Michelle. we got some time. Yep. Not as much time as you think, though. No. So let's start getting ready. Yep. Dude, yeah, we got to do that anniversary trip. Bring Michelle. That that is the crew. Mm-hmm. That's a good Disney going crew. Mm-hmm. Four of us. So we would like to do our recommendations for y'all, y'all. our faithful listeners. Um, I will start it off by recommending a um, series that season one is out. You can binge watch the entire thing. It's called The Outlaws, and it is um, by Stephen Merchant, who is uh, one of the two co-creators of the original British Office. Yes, he's Ricky the Gervais like super partner. tall, gangly. Yeah. He's like six seven. He is freaking hysterical, um, and it's the story is that it's like a community. Uh, what do they call it? It's like a community payback. It's like community service mm-hmm. that we would do here um, for people who have committed basically petty crimes. The outlaws? The outlaws. So and it's, it's super like British. These six people, maybe six, seven people who have all done various dumb things to land themselves in community service. Okay. And they're Great. being led by this woman who is just, she plays that part so freaking well. She's like a... Um, super power hungry like dork. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, a, yeah. a lot, a Too lot much of power. just, I have a lot of power. Uh-huh. Like, dude, you're leading a group of six people cleaning up an abandoned home. Like, <laughs> oh, that what? sounds great. Um, yeah, is it, he in it? He is in it. He's okay. one of those, he's one of the criminals. Gotcha. And uh, Christopher Walken is also in it. No way. Yeah, he's also one of the guys. He's like 100 years old now. And in addition to it being really funny and charming, it's also a little bit of a, there's like a crime drama element to it. Um, you know, there's always, yeah, always something with. There's just some substance to it as well. Y- there is substance. Yeah. yeah. And they finished the first season and got approved for a second season. Nice. Um, but the first season just came out in March. So it's, it's all available to watch right now on Prime. And it is British. It's based in the UK. Yep. Great. It's great. It is Love great. That. Awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. And do they have English accents in this? Oh, yes. Okay. Except Christopher Walken. Right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And he is hysterical in it. Can't wait. Good. Good pick. Ash, you want me to go? Yep, go for it. Okay. I'm picking a band this time. We went and saw a band called Cigarose the other night. Oh, God. And uh, boy, are they good. (laughs) I've always said Cigarose. It's... I've heard seven different ways to pronounce it, okay. so I just stuck with one over the yeah. years. Um, spelled S-I-G-U-R-R-O-S, if you want to find them. They're from Iceland. They're incredibly from Iceland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're ragingly from Iceland. <laughs> he sings in like this high-pitched falsetto, um, what he refers to as Icelandic gibberish. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's technically in Icelandic, but not. Okay, so that's why you can't make out anything no. that they're saying. None of, like, so much here's of Here's a name of a song. Happy Pola. Here's another one. Svinji and Garlar. Uh-huh. Starlothor. Ostlin Ostlin. 
I like that's just gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. Is that the name of a, a song? That's the name of a song. Cool. And so they're really ambient and pretty and like powerful. And he plays a guitar in like drop D tuning with a bow. Mm-hmm. With like wow. crazy like distorted like it sounds like a symphony but like heavy and dark and ominous and yeah it's amazing it's hard to explain it's one of the strangest bands but you'll you'll get chills watching them absolutely and they they're one of those bands who like because i know what it's like to be in a band i know Uh it's like to prep for a show and the world i come from is like you're getting ready to go to a UFC fight or like <laughs> yeah. play football. You're it's about like amping yourself up. Right. And drinking a Red Bull and slapping each other in the face and go, fuck it, let's go. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, like really work up the energy. And some of my favorite bands are like that even more. Uh-huh. Like Dillinger Escape Plan, like hardcore bands. They're, the whole goal is to go punch people in the mouth <laughs> and like take it to ten for yeah. an hour. Right. This band how many times was I talking about that? Like, this is what's so crazy about this band is it's ducks in the corner or geese. geese sorry, welcome to Oregon. Um, no, the the opposite of, of that. It mm-hmm. is 100% the opposite. They probably take beta blockers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they come out in like ties and stuff, and oh. people sit and it's like standing ovation. Like it's a, like going to a classical like concert. Like going to a symphony. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, it's wild. And like the end of some of their songs end with such silence. Uh-huh. Like that for a long time. Weird. And then they let, and then they'll like sit back away from the mics. And, and then you know, you know they're and done. Then, and then people will clap. Yeah. And they do it all the time. They'll let it hanging. That's so cool. For like a stadium of people though. Mm-hmm. Of course, you always get the one, woo, idiot. Or the one guy trying to clap. How can you not tell that they're not done yet? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Which venue did you it. see him? We actually ended up seeing it at Moda Center, but it was the Theater of the Clouds. Okay, yeah. So they can kind yeah. of control the dynamic of it. Very And we cool. saw him before at the Schnitz, which was amazing. Mm. Or the Keller. One of the two. Schnitz. Schnitz. Really I saw fancy. Imogen Heap at the Schnitz. Perfect. And that was a similar was experience. Yeah. It was just like, what am I watching? She is so freaking talented. Here's a little song for everyone. Yeah, this is Just the one I know. Way. Very pretty. There's only four guys in the band making all that sound. Mm-hmm. I love how their music builds. Yeah. This is like a heavy song for them, too. Mm-hmm. They had some pretty heavy ones. Yeah, ominous. Mm-hmm. that language Icelandic gibberish that's funny this is the one that got me into this band just briefly here guys stay with us stay with us (laughs) let's get weird and Icelandic for a second (laughs) 
James is mouthing the noises. <laughs> That's all one guy playing that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and he's doing the bong. sleeping time music. Oh, yeah. A little feedback. A lot of feedback in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Control it. Super loud live, too. Is this... This is just, like, from Spotify or something? Yeah. Yeah. Wait for it to kick in. With a bow. A bow on a guitar. Keep that in mind. That's nuts. Really cool. He goes through like several bows every night. They're just destroyed. (laughs) Because they're not meant to be used on a guitar. (laughs) Anyway. Goes from there. Pretty cool band. Really cool. Very original sounding band. He also sings into his guitar using the pickup. Yeah, I'll sing into the pickup of the guitar. So it sounds like he's like in the other room. Yeah. You know? It's very strange band. And they're it's like Cigaros is like uh it's like gothy hippies. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the vibe. A lot okay. of rock and roll guy duos. Rock and roll like guy duos. Like two dudes. We thought that it was like, okay, these are the two that are like Oh yeah. my god, Cigaros is playing. You want to go? And like their friends don't want to go with them because right. like they think it's like too like femi or yeah. something. Uh huh. So the two guys were like going on like a bro date. Um, Nate and I would talk about Cigaros for hours. It's like <laughs> the music guys' dork band, you know? Uh huh. And yeah, I mean, the, remember the guys behind me? They were talking about like the metaliest metal bands. They're just we went fucking Lamb of God, and we saw this and. Pantera. And, and now we're at Cigaros. No, shredding it. Shredding it. From a seated position for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing ever. You see, like, you know those beanies with the little dassily dangly things yeah, on the side? Yeah, yeah. A lot of those. Uh huh. A lot of that. Okay. And, like, yeah, just a lot of, uh, like, the guy next to us. How about the guy next to us? It looked like a Viking. <laughs> yeah. He looked like a Viking. He had, like, high shaved hair. He was. Just simply handsome uh-huh. and humongous. He looked like a Viking. You got a Viking in your head? Yeah. That's what he that looked was like. It. And he was just like moving back to the music right next to me. <laughs> and like stomping and putting his hands up like he was praying and stuff. <laughs> and he had like things dangling from his hair and jewelry. And so he was wild. He was entering Valhalla. He was yes. entering Valhalla. And his girlfriend was just the same. Yep. Oh, that's so funny. Hippie goth metal guy band weird viking metal viking, yeah hippie goth yeah cool so there you go cigarettes check them out thank you the animal hero of the week is a kitten named ginger biscuit <laughs> this comes biscuit. to us from the dodo as do many of these stories god bless the dodo so ginger biscuit was found in a storm drain after a big rainstorm completely soaked and in need of help his rescuer brought him to greenside animal hospital and since they didn't know anything about his health they put him in an isolation ward where he could heal and recover in peace ginger was understandably a little nervous when he first arrived he was only eight to ten weeks old and he was very confused so he's very wary of everyone walking by and caring for him 
What a name. Uh, for some, just, here's his oh, face. Come so you can look on. at him. Oh, he looks like a ginger biscuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they say, uh, Ginger is shy but very loving and likes attention once he has overcome his initial fear of contact. Um, he's a bit wary of people until he sees us bringing food, and then he is happy <laughs> to creep out of his shell and interact. No. Luckily for Ginger, he got the isolation ward all to himself, except for Anne. Anne was also brought into the hospital as a stray after she was found hiding in a bush at a nearby sports club. She was covered with fleas and ticks and was very weak. One of the trainers at the club brought her to the hospital, and everyone could immediately see that she was quite sick. They sprang into action trying to heal her and got her settled into the isolation ward. And here's Anne. She's a doggy. Oh, oh she's a little dachshund. She's maybe. a very good girl. Oh, does she have like an, an eye situation? She's too? very sick. Yeah. yeah. She's got a lot of stuff. Conjunctivitis-y things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, usually the cats and dogs in this hospital are kept in separate areas, but the isolation ward is a special case. Anne and Ginger's crates were across the room from each other. There was no way that they could have any contact, or so the staff thought. <laughs> As it turns out, though, Ginger had other plans. One day, staff walked into the isolation ward and stopped dead in their tracks. Ginger wasn't in his crate. Instead, he was cuddled up with Anne in her crate. Oh. Here's Ginger snuggling with Anne. Ginger. Oh, he's so small. He's a little baby. That's so I cute. I didn't realize how small Ginger was. Yeah. And the, the dog's got a, a cast. It's probably yeah. from an IV. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, we underestimated the kitten's ability to wriggle itself through the door <laughs> of the cage that he was placed in. With the little dog being so weak, we never considered her to be a risk to the kitten. But when we saw them together for the first time, there definitely was a moment of panic, seeing as some dogs don't react well to cats and vice versa. Yeah. Um, here's another too. picture to give oh, you. Oh, my God. It's them awake and... Just a couple of pals. Just chilling together. They're like cell house pals. Yeah. <laughs> Doing their time. Um, everyone's fears were immediately put to ease when they saw how gentle Anne was with Ginger and how much they seemed to love each other. Yeah. The pair seemed to calm each other down, and although the staff tried to separate them again, it didn't work. <laughs> Anne and Ginger had decided that they belonged together, and that was that. Oh, here they are again. Aww. Yay, they do belong together, and that is I that. I hope they got adopted together, too. Probably Let's see. Not. I have not finished reading. Oh, okay. For, to myself, even. Oh. Um, blah, 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 blah. They move them away. They go like, nope, we're coming back together. Can't keep again. them apart. Look yeah. at that baby just, just sleeping on his friend. Yep. And now they share a crate full time, and they couldn't be happier about it. Um. Anne was so weak when she first arrived, but having Ginger seems to be helping her recover and give her strength. And Aww. there's no answer as to whether they were adopted okay. together. Okay. Well, like it looked like they maybe were. they were still in rehab together, so. You know, even if they weren't, they'd change each other's life forever. That's right. And, you know, you know worst case is one of them dies and they eat each other. You know, there you it's go. Like he, a win-win. It's a ginger biscuit. Yeah. Tasty. Right? <laughs> I was picturing the kitten eating the dog, but, oh, yeah, you know. there's probably that. I just, I have to look at that kitten again. Ah. Oh, he's a good one. Ah. Well, good job, Ash. Good Another job, Ginger good Biscuit. Yeah. Way to be a little dude. <laughs> to be a little dude. Yay. I think he's a righteous dude. Speaking of little dudes, <laughs> to end the show, we'd like to tell everyone that our old senior cat, Dexter Bear. Uh-huh. We got him an old man set of stairs. I heard. I haven't seen him, but I heard. Yeah. 
He doesn't need them. All right, guys? He doesn't need them. We just feel like he prefer them. Yeah. And he does. He likes to yeah, go really up and does. down them. He likes I, to snuggle with them. When I got here today, I I came into the house before then, before James and Ash, because they were both doing something. And I sat on the floor, and the kittens came and accosted me. And Dexter was While being Dexter weird. looked at me from roughly 10 feet away and just would go, Mah. That's it. That was our interaction. He wouldn't come near me, but the kittens were all up in my face. He's like a gay old man. Yeah, I love him so He's much. Little Panama hat. He's probably thinking, "The hell are you doing? Why aren't you feeding me?" Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. He was standing between me and his food, just letting me know, like, if you decide to be a good person, <laughs> well, all I'm our, starving to death. All of our so. cats are very indoor cats, but we like to we like to talk about which ones would have liked to be an outdoor cat. Una. Absolutely. She, she's been murdering birds all day. Yep. And even Doris, she loves like watching butterflies and she's dumb. Mm-hmm. She just really love it. Dexter? No interest. No. Zero interest. Dexter would walk out your front door, you go cough. next door, yeah. knock on their door and just say, feed me. Feed me. Yep. Yeah. I, I, need, I need a home. I need, I home. need air conditioning and I need and medicine. Heat. I need medicine. Yes. Yeah. That's my favorite is that his tag says, asthmatic needs, needs asthmatic meds. Needs meds. <laughs> I love him. He's useless. Well, shoot. We did it. We did it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Disney Dependent. See See you real soon. soon. Woo! Wow! (laughs) Thanks, Ash! (laughs) You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at DisneyDependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WR Hatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll be back here next week. 